Chapter Two, Part Three of the Mysteries of Paris, Volume Three. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recorded by Celine Major. The Mysteries of Paris, Volume Three by Eugène Sue. Chapter Two, Part Three of The Arrest. And you did not unmask the scoundrel on the spot? asked Rodolph. Oh no, Monsieur! I was terrified. My head was in a whirl. I did not dare. I could not pronounce a word yet i was anxious to speak and defend myself but sir i cried not one word more unworthy creature said m ferrand interrupting me you heard m l'abbe pity would be weakness in an hour you leave my house then without allowing me time to reply he led the abbe into another room after the departure of m ferrand resumed louise i was almost bereft of my senses for a moment i was driven from his house and unable to find any home elsewhere in consequence of my condition and the bad character which my master would give with me i felt sure too that in his rage he would send my father to prison and i did not know what to do i went to my room and there i wept bitterly at the end of two hours m ferrand appeared is your bundle made up said he pardon i exclaimed falling at his feet do not turn me from your house in my present condition what will become of me i have no place to turn to so much the better this is the way that god punishes loose behaviour and falsehood dare you say that i tell falsehood i asked indignantly dare you say that it is not you who have caused my ruin leave my house this moment you wretch since you persist in your calumnies he replied in a terrible voice and to punish you i will to-morrow send your father to the jail well no no said i terrified i will not again accuse you sir that i promise you but do not drive me away from the house have pity on my father the little i earn here helps to support my family keep me here i will say nothing i will endeavour to hide everything and when i can no longer do so oh then but not till then send me away after fresh entreaties on my part m ferrand consented to keep me with him and i considered that a great favour in my wretched condition during the time that followed this cruel scene i was most wretched and miserably treated only sometimes m germain whom i seldom saw kindly asked me what made me unhappy but shame prevented me from confessing anything to him was not that about the time when he came to reside here yes sir he was looking out for an apartment near the rue du temple or de l'arsenal there was one to let here and i told him of that one which you now occupy sir and it suited him exactly when he quitted it about two months ago he begged me not to mention his new address here but that they knew it at m ferrand's the necessity under which germain was to conceal himself from those who were trying to find him explained all these precautions to rodolph and it never occurred to you to make a confidant of germain he said to louise no sir he was also a dupe to the hypocrisy of m ferrand he called him harsh and exacting but he thought him the honestest man on the face of the earth when germain was lodging here did he never hear your father at times accuse the notary of desiring to seduce you my father never expressed his fears before strangers and besides at this period i deceived his uneasiness and comforted him by the assurances that m ferrand no longer thought of me alas my poor father will now forgive me those falsehoods i only employed them to tranquillize your mind father dear that was all morel made no reply 
he only leaned his forehead on his two arms crossed on his working-board and sobbed bitterly rodolph made a sign to louise not to address herself to her father and she continued thus i led from this time a life of tears and perpetual anguish by using every precaution i had contrived to conceal my condition from all eyes but i could not hope thus to hide it during the last two months the future became more and more alarming to me as m ferrand had declared that he would not keep me any longer in the house and therefore i should be deprived of the small resources which assisted our family to live cursed and driven from my home by my father for after the falsehoods i had told him to set his mind at ease he would believe me the accomplice and not the victim of m ferrand what was to become of me where could i find refuge or place myself in my condition i then had a criminal idea but fortunately i recoiled from putting it into execution i confess this to you sir because i will not keep anything concealed not even that which may tell against myself and thus i may show you the extremities to which i was reduced by the cruelty of m ferrand if i had given way to such a thought would he not have been the accomplice of my crime after a moment's silence louise resumed with great effort and in a trembling voice i had heard say by the porteress that a quack doctor lived in the house and-she could not finish rodolph recollected that at his first interview with madame pipelet he had received from the postman in her absence a letter written on coarse paper in a feigned hand and on which he had remarked the traces of tears and you wrote to him unhappy girl three days since you wept over your letter and the handwriting was disguised louise looked at rodolph in great consternation how did you know that sir do not alarm yourself i was alone in madame pipelet's lodge when they brought in the letter and i remarked it quite accidentally yes sir it was mine in this letter which bore no signature i wrote to mr bradamanti saying that as i did not dare to go to him i would beg him to be in the evening near the chateau d'eau i had lost my senses i sought fearful advice from him and i left my master's house with the intention of following them but at the end of a minute my reason returned to me and i saw what a crime i was about to commit i returned to the house and did not attend the appointment i had written for that evening an event occurred the consequences of which caused the misfortune which has overwhelmed me m ferrand thought i had gone out for a couple of hours whilst in reality i had been gone but a very short time as i passed before the small garden gate to my great surprise i saw it half open i entered by it and took the key into m ferrand's private room where it was usually kept this apartment was next to his bedroom the most retired place in the house and it was there he had his private meetings with clients and others transacting his everyday business in the office you will see sir why i give you these particulars as i very well knew the ways of the apartments after having crossed the dining-room which was lighted up i entered into the salon without any candle and then into the little closet which was on this side of his sleeping-room the door of this latter opened at the moment when i was putting the key on a table and the moment my master saw me by the light of the lamp which was burning in his chamber then he suddenly shut the door on some person whom i could not see and then in spite of the darkness rushed towards me and seizing me by the throat as if he would strangle me said in a low voice and in a tone at once savage and alarmed what listening spying at the door what did you hear answer me answer directly or i'll strangle you 
but suddenly changing his idea and not giving me time to say a word he drove me back into the dining-room the office door was open and he brutally thrust me in and shut the door and you did not hear the conversation not a word sir if i had known that there was any one in his room with him i should have been careful not to have gone there he even forbade madame seraphin from doing so and when you left the office what did he say to you it was the housekeeper who let me out and i did not see m ferrand again that night his violence to me and the fright i had undergone made me very ill indeed the next day at the moment when i went downstairs i met m ferrand and i shuddered when i remembered his threats of the night before what then was my surprise when he said to me calmly you knew that i forbid any one to enter my private room when i have any person there but for the short time longer you will stay here it is useless to scold you any more and then he went into his study this mildness astonished me after his violence of the previous evening i went on with my work as usual and was going to put his bedchamber to rights i had suffered a great deal all night and was weak and exhausted whilst i was hanging up some clothes in a dark closet at the end of the room near the bed i was suddenly seized with a painful giddiness and felt as if i should lose my senses as i fell i tried to support myself by grasping at a large cloak which hung against the wainscot but in my fall i drew his cloak down on me and was almost entirely covered by it when i came to myself the glass door of the above closet was shut i heard m ferrand's voice he was speaking aloud remembering the scene of the previous evening i thought i should be killed if i stirred i suppose that hidden by the cloak which had fallen on me my master did not perceive me when he shut the door of this dark wardrobe if he found me how could i account for and make him believe this singular accident i therefore held my breath and in spite of myself overheard the conclusion of this conversation which no doubt had begun some time and who was the person who was talking with the notary and shut up in this room with him inquired rodolph of louise i do not know sir i did not recognize the voice and what were they saying no doubt they had been conversing some time but all i heard was this nothing more easy said the unknown voice a fellow named bras rouge has put me for the affair i mentioned to you just now in connection with a family of fresh-water pirates note one established on the point of a small islet near asnières they are the greatest scoundrels on earth the father and grandfather were guillotined two of the sons were condemned to the galleys for life but there are still left a mother three sons and two daughters all as infamous as they can possibly be they say that at night in order to plunder on both sides of the seine they sometimes come down in their boats as low as bercy they are ruffians who will kill any one for a crown piece but we shall not want their aid further than their hospitality for your lady from the country the martial that is the name of these pirates will pass in her eyes for an honest family of fishers i will go as if from you to pay two or three visits to your young lady i will order her a few comforting draughts and at the end of a week or ten days she will form an acquaintance with the burial-ground of asnières in villages deaths are looked on as nothing more than a letter by the post whilst in paris they are a little more curious in such matters but when do you send your young lady from the provinces to the isle of asnières for i must give the martial notice of the part they have to play she will arrive here to-morrow and next day i shall send her to them replied m ferrand 
and i shall tell her that dr vincent will pay her a visit at my request ah vincent will do as well as any other name said the voice note one we shall hear more particulars of these worthies in another chapter what new mystery of crime and infamy said rodolph with increased astonishment new no sir you will see that it is in connection with another crime that you know of resumed louise who thus continued i heard a movement of chairs the interview had ended i do not ask the secret of you said m ferrand you behave to me as i behave to you thus we may mutually serve without any power mutually to injure each other answered the voice observe my zeal i received your letter at ten o'clock last night and here i am this morning good-bye accomplice do not forget the isle of asnières the fisher martial and dr vincent thanks to these three magic words your country damsel has only eight days to look forward to wait said m ferrand whilst i go and undo the safety bolt which i have drawn to in my closet and let me look out and see that there is no one in the antechamber in order that you may go out by the side path in the garden by which you entered m ferrand went out for a moment and then returned and i heard him go away with the person whose voice i did not know you may imagine my fright sir during this conversation and my despair at having unintentionally discovered such a secret two hours after this conversation madame seraphin came to me in my room whither i had gone trembling all over and worse than i had been yet my master is inquiring for you said she to me you are better off than you deserve to be come go downstairs you are very pale but what you are going to hear will give you a colour i followed madame seraphin and found m ferrand in his private study when i saw him i shuddered in spite of myself and yet he did not look so disagreeable as usual he looked at me steadfastly for some time as if he would read the bottom of my thoughts i lowered my eyes you seem very ill he said yes sir i replied much surprised at being thus addressed it is easily accounted for added he it is the result of your condition and the efforts you make to conceal it but in spite of your falsehoods your bad conduct and your indiscretion yesterday he added in a milder tone i feel pity for you a few days more and it will be impossible to conceal your situation although i have treated you as you deserve before the curate of the parish such an event in the eyes of the world will be the disgrace of a house like mine and moreover your family will be deeply distressed under these circumstances i will come to your aid ah sir i cried such kind words from you make me forget everything forget what asked he hastily nothing nothing forgive me sir i replied fearful of irritating him and believing him kindly disposed towards me then attend to me said he you will go to see your father to-day and tell him that i am going to send you into the country for two or three months to take care of a house which i have just bought during your absence i will send your wages to him to-morrow you will leave paris i will give you a letter of introduction to madame martial the mother of an honest family of fishers who live near asnières you will say you came from the country and nothing more you will learn hereafter my motive for this introduction which is for your good madame martial will treat you as one of the family and a medical man of my acquaintance dr vincent will give you all you require in your situation you see how kind i am to you what a horrible snare exclaimed rodolph i see it all now believing that overnight you had listened to some secret 
no doubt very important for him he desired to get rid of you he had probably an interest in deceiving his accomplice by describing you as a female from the country what must have been your alarm at this proposal it was like a violent blow it quite bereft me of sense i could not reply but looked at m ferrand aghast my head began to wander i should perhaps have risked my life by telling him that i had overheard his projects in the morning when fortunately i recollected the fresh perils to which such an avowal would expose me you do not understand me then he said impatiently yes sir but i added all trembling i should prefer not going into the country why not you shall be taken every care of where i send you no no i will not go i would rather remain in paris and not go away from my family i would rather confess all to them and die with them if it must be so you refuse me then said m ferrand repressing his rage and looking fixedly at me why have you so suddenly changed your mind not a minute ago you accepted my offer i saw that if he guessed my motive i was lost so i replied that i did not then think that he desired me to leave paris and my family but you dishonour your family you wretched girl he exclaimed and unable any longer to restrain himself he seized me by the arms and shook me so violently that i fell i will give you until the day after to-morrow he cried and then you shall go from here to the martial or go and inform your father that i have turned you out of my house and will send him to jail to-morrow he then left me stretched on the floor whence i had not the power to rise madame seraphin had run in when she heard her master raise his voice so loud and with her assistance and staggering at every step i regained my chamber where i threw myself on my bed and remained until night so entirely was i prostrated by all that had happened by the pains that came on about one o'clock in the morning i felt assured that i should be prematurely a mother why did you not summon assistance oh i did not dare m ferrand was anxious to get rid of me and he would certainly have sent for dr vincent who would have killed me at my master's instead of killing me at the martial or else m ferrand would have stifled me and said that i had died in my confinement alas sir perhaps these were vain terrors but they came over me at this moment and caused my suffering otherwise i would have endured the shame and should never have been accused of killing my child instead of calling for help and for fear my cries should be heard i stuffed my mouth full with the bedclothes at length after dreadful anguish alone in the midst of darkness the child was born and dead i did not kill it indeed i did not kill it ah no in the midst of this fearful night i had one moment of bitter joy and that was when i pressed my child in my arms and the voice of louise was stifled with sobs morel had listened to his daughter's recital with a mournful apathy and indifference which alarmed rodolph however seeing her burst into tears the lapidary who was still leaning on his workboard with his two hands pressed against his temples looked at louise steadfastly and said she weeps she weeps why is she weeping then after a moment's hesitation ah uh, yes i know i know the notary isn't it go on my poor louise you are my daughter i love you still just now i did not recognize you my eyes were darkened with my tears oh my head how badly it aches my head my head you do not believe me guilty do you father do you oh no no 
it is a terrible misfortune but i was so fearful of the notary the notary ah yes and well you might be he is so wicked so very wicked but will you forgive me now yes yes really and truly yes ah yes i love you the same as ever although i cannot not say you see because oh my head my head louise looked at rodolph in extreme alarm he is suffering deeply but let him calm himself go on louise after looking twice or thrice at morel with great disquietude thus resumed i clasped my infant to my breast and was astonished at not hearing it breathe i said to myself the breathing of a baby is so faint that it is difficult to hear it but then it was so cold i had no light for they would never leave one with me i waited until the dawn came trying to keep it warm as well as i could but it seemed to me colder and colder i said to myself then it freezes so hard that it must be cold that chills it so at daybreak i carried my child to the window and looked at it it was stiff and cold i placed my mouth to its mouth to try and feel its breath i put my hand on its heart but it did not beat it was dead and louise burst into tears oh at this moment she continued something passed within me which it is impossible to describe i only remember confusedly what followed it was like a dream it was at once despair terror rage and above all i was seized with another fear i no longer feared m ferrand would strangle me but i feared that if they found my child dead by my side i should be accused of having killed it then i had but one thought and that was to conceal the corpse from everybody's sight and then my dishonour would not be known and i should no longer have to dread my father's anger i should escape from m ferrand's vengeance because i could now leave his house obtain another situation and gain something to help and support my family alas sir such were the reasons which induced me not to say anything but try and hide my child's remains from all eyes i was wrong i know but in the situation in which i was oppressed on all sides worn out by suffering and almost mad i did not consider to what i exposed myself if i should be discovered what torture what torture said rodolph with deep sympathy the day was advancing continued louise and i had but a few moments before me until the household would be stirring i hesitated no longer but wrapping up the unhappy babe as well as i could i descended the staircase silently and went to the bottom of the garden to try and make a hole in the ground to bury it but it had frozen so hard in the night that i could not dig up the earth so i concealed the body in the bottom of a sort of cellar into which no one entered during the winter and then i covered it up with an empty box which had held flowers and returned to my apartment without any person having seen me of all i tell you sir i have but a very confused recollection weak as i was it is inexplicable to me how i had strength and courage to do all i did at nine o'clock madame seraphin came to inquire why i had not risen i told her that i was very ill and prayed of her to allow me to remain in bed during the day and that on the following day i should quit the house as m ferrand had dismissed me at the end of an hour's time he came himself you are worse to-day ah that is the consequence of your obstinacy said he if you had taken advantage of my kind offer 
you would to-day have been comfortably settled with some worthy people who would have taken every care of you but i will not be so cruel as to leave you without help in your present situation and this evening dr vincent shall come and see you at this threat i shuddered but i replied to m ferrand that i was wrong to refuse his offers the evening before and that i would now accept them but that being too ill to move then i could not go until the day after the next to the martial and that it was useless to send for dr vincent i only sought to gain time for i had made up my mind to leave the house and go the next day to my father whom i hoped to keep in ignorance of all relying on my promise m ferrand was almost kind to me and for the first time in his life recommended madame seraphin to take care of me i passed the day in mental agony trembling every instant lest the body of my child should be accidentally discovered i was only anxious that the frost should break up so that the ground not being so hard i might be able to dig it up the snow began to fall and that gave me some hopes i remained all day in bed and when the night came i waited until every one should be asleep and then i summoned strength enough to rise and go to the wood-closet where i found a chopper with which i hoped to dig a hole in the ground which was covered with snow after immense trouble i succeeded and then taking the body i wept bitterly over it and buried it as well as i could in the little box that had held flowers i did not know the prayer for the dead but i said a pater and ave and prayed to the good god to receive it into paradise i thought my courage would fail me when i was covering the mould over the sort of beer i had made a mother burying her own child at length i completed my task and ah what it cost me i covered the place all over with snow that it might conceal every trace of what i had done the moon had lighted me yet when all was done i could hardly resolve to go away poor little innocent in the icy ground beneath the snow although it was dead yet i still seemed to fear that it must feel the cold at length i returned to my chamber and when i got into bed i was in a violent fever in the morning m ferrand sent to know how i found myself i replied that i was a little better and that i felt sure i should be strong enough to go next day into the country i remained the whole of the day in bed hoping to acquire a little strength and in the evening i arose and went down into the kitchen to warm myself i was then quite alone and then went out into the garden to say a last prayer as i went up to my room i met m germain on the landing-place of the study in which he wrote sometimes looking very pale he said to me hastily placing a rouleau of money in my hand they are going to arrest your father to-morrow morning for an overdue bill of thirteen hundred francs he is unable to pay it but here is the money as soon as it is light run to him it was only to-day that i found out what sort of a man m ferrand is and he is a villain i will unmask him above all do not say that you have the money from me m germain did not even give me time to thank him but ran quickly downstairs this morning continued louise before any one had risen at m ferrand's i came here with the money which m germain had given to save my father but it was not enough and but for your generosity i could not have rescued him from the bailiff's hands probably after i had left they went into my room and having suspicions have now sent to arrest me one last service sir said louise taking the rouleau of gold from her pocket will you give back this money to m germain i had promised him not to say to any one that he was employed at m ferrand's 
but since you know it i have not broken my confidence now sir i repeat to you before god who hears me that i have not said a word that is not quite true i have not tried to hide my faults and but suddenly interrupting herself louise exclaimed with alarm sir sir look at my father what can be the matter with him End of chapter 2, part 3 Read by Céline Major